Welcome, my friends. Welcome to my world. I'm your host, Kevin Rutherford. It is Tuesday, May 17th, and it is time for The Pit, Politics in Trucking. Joining me today are my two co-hosts. We'll be hearing from them here shortly. Uh, We're going to open up the phone lines. You can call in with a question, a comment, a topic, as long as it is somewhere around um, something around politics. Sorry, I'm playing around with some audio settings here. Um, So if you have a question, a comment, a topic about politics, anything goes, uh, as long as it's political. And uh, you can dial in right now, 855-950-3835. All right, uh, we're going to jump right into it here. Uh, John, welcome back. Kevin, could you hear me okay? I'm, I'm trying something new today. Is it working all right? I can hear you perfectly. Sounds great. Great, great technology. I'm... I'm making a comeback to uh, rise from the ashes of the last century and move into this century. So that's good. Excellent. Excellent. We like that. So, uh, you know, I saw Stanford's call was coming through here a minute ago and then it, it's gone. So uh, I'll keep an eye out when he, he's, uh, he's, yeah, he's, yeah, he's on a conference call with one of the state uh, bars uh, on our, our legal thing. I guess something came that, Somebody called him back that he needed to talk to. So he'll be with us in a few minutes. Oh, got it. Okay. Well, good. I see he's uh, taking care of business. So you and I will get started here then. We'll jump right into it. Um, I have two topics. I kind of said we had some homework this week. We were all supposed to come up with a topic we've never talked about before. And um, I've got one. I think I cheated a little bit. I think I have probably mentioned this on the air before. I don't think I've spent much time on it. I'm not going to spend a ton of time on it today. And then I do have my um, truly political topic for the day. Actually, both of them are a little political. So um, tell me what your thoughts. I'm going to kind of put you on the spot here. This is my topic. Um, Tell me what your thoughts are on UFOs. Happy to. Um, I've had, um, I have not had uh, a personal experience with a UFO. However, my, uh, three of my grandchildren, uh, I live in a mountain, uh, mountain ranch that's at 7,300 feet. Um, and so there's been some things through the years that seem a little bit, uh, supernatural, but my grandchildren were going for a walk two summers ago when they were, you know, they were like 14 and 10, 11 years old, uh, three of them. And they saw something down over one of the uh, smaller mountains uh, hovering that um, they watched for a while and it seemed to be uh, moving around and didn't seem to have an explanation. It was actually after dark. And, uh, and so it was something that, um, and, and we don't really have a lot of air traffic here. Occasionally we we're actually part of the 
fly over from Salt Lake to Denver, so you would maybe see, you know, uh, larger aircraft up at 30,000 feet or whatever. But, um, and occasionally we have, uh, you know, I think there's helicopters kind of snooping around um, for the government um, nowadays. So occasionally you see something like that up here in our valley, but we're pretty, we're pretty off the beaten path. But they came uh, running back with wide eyes and basically felt like they had observed something unusual. And, um, and I've had a, a relative or two that have seen some unusual things up in our, what I would call the upper 40, which is a kind of a valley surrounded on both sides by mountains. And um, I remember also as a, I guess I was probably 17 or 18 and um, my mother had a retreat with uh, some people she worked with at the community college and uh, a, a mother and her son had gone for a walk and, and they came back uh, uh, very credible people and said they had observed uh, an unidentified flying object for, uh, you know, that had been, kind of zipping around up in our upper horizon that they saw quite distinctly. Um, and since you brought it up, uh, one of my friends who probably should remain nameless, but he, he, uh, he's been, he was a former U S Senator, um, uh, from somewhere fairly close to you. And his father was an extremely prominent, business person uh, nationally, served in government um, for a period of time and also a national uh, organization. And in 1972, I was having dinner with uh, my friend and his father, who was one of the more credible people I've ever met. And he, he told us of a flight from uh, Washington, D.C. to Denver, that outside of Denver is back in the day when sometimes there was only, you know, 20 people on a flight, you know, the late night flight. And he said that, that he watched out the window for the better part of an hour uh, at, at 10, 11 at night, um, an object zipping around at, you know, at, at angles and speeds that were incomprehensible to him at the time. And, um, and he shared that experience with us. And he said when they got to the airport, uh, they were met by some government people and actually were debriefed on what they had observed out their window of their aircraft from that period of time. And that I've never forgotten that. And so I've always believed in, uh, UFO. I have my I have my own opinions about who they may be or what they may be, but uh, those are three specific instances that I personally had some experience with um, in observing or or other persons second second party testimonials of their experiences with those objects. Well, those are really good stories i think it really sums up a lot of where we are with the whole ufo thing in my lifetime 
Um, I, I've got to say, I've, I've never really seen anything that I thought was a UFO or was that unusual. I don't really even have any direct experience with talking to somebody else. A couple of those stories were really good. So I, I kind of have to say my mindset around this has always been, well, of course, it's possible somebody else lives out there. Of, of course, it's possible. But if they're really visiting us, it just seems to me like we should have better proof of it. So I've always been pretty skeptical. Most of the stories are, you know, similar to yours where, you know, one or two people might have seen something. We don't have really good video evidence that we can kind of study. Then, of course, we, you know, have the late night crazy shows where they talk about them all the time and everybody's got stories of being abducted and but you know they're they're never really taken very seriously most of this stuff isn't reported much on the news and and if it is we really can't prove much of anything so i've been pretty skeptical not in the fact that they're they're out there but in the the fact that I, I kind of doubt that they visited us. I mean, that's always been my take on this because I just thought we would have to know. You know, at some point, something would happen and we'd be able to prove it. Now, what I've found interesting, and well, I've been following yeah, I, I, this. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. Sorry, finish your thought. Yeah, I mean. I, I, I've been following this story for about a year or more because a year or so ago, this started to break and the government actually started to release more data on this. Now, just this morning, there's a hearing in Congress and I wasn't able to listen to it because I've been on the air, but I want to go listen to it when I get off today. Um, the government has been releasing a lot of data about this. There is way more going on on this topic than we have ever known. And almost all of it, comes from um, military, naval aid, aviators. Um, and it's not just, oh, we kind of think we saw something. This is well-documented. We have tons and right. tons of video footage now that no matter how many different ways they look at this, no matter how many experts they bring in, nobody can explain how these things could have occurred. And we're not talking about a couple of incidents or a dozen incidents. We're talking about hundreds of verifiable incidents where the only explanation is that's something that we don't understand. It's not from this world. There's that much evidence about this, and it's actually kind of shocking. Well, it is uh, from that standpoint. I, I think there's two things. One, I think the government has always tried to keep us in fear of that type of thing. And so it's kind of been a hands-off situation as, as a part of their narrative. One of the things that I find interesting, um, I believe that just my personal theology, um, I believe that uh, there are other creations other than this earth, uh, that the, um, whoever the, whoever, whatever the, uh, creator of the universe or the uh, power of the universe that organizes this, that there are other worlds and there are other populations. I find it in interesting that the encounters are reported are peaceful. 
because if they, for some, I think it's probably sort of what, like what we would do, but they would be farther advanced. And so they're coming to take a look at what's going on here. Uh, maybe out of some curiosity or so there's some intergalactic relationship that we have in certain aspects of humanity. So as far as, you know, being, and they, they may be, uh, you know, the different, different substance and life form or, or whatever. But, you know, one of the things that I find interesting, Kevin, is there's so many phenomena like the pyramids and other, uh, architectural wonders that have occurred uh, throughout our history on this earth that don't make any sense from an engineering scientific right. of how they occurred. Right. And so I kind of would lean towards the fact that perhaps some of these other civilizations have been involved in some of these projects because it doesn't, you know, I, I, I was, I was just at Sutter's mill um, the other day, and uh, when I was in California, I'd never been there, and so we drove out. Uh, we were nearby and drove out, and I, I looked at just the, the mill and the building and the things that, that the replicas they put up, and I turned to my wife and I said, you know, I'd have a hard time doing that. Right. <laughs> even, with, even, with right. The, even with the tools that yeah. we have today, uh, let alone you look at the great... Uh, cathedrals that were built, uh, but then when you go back and see things like the pyramids are the classic example. It's like, how in the world did they do this? How did they engineer this rock to, to fit this snugly or whatever? So, you know, to me, um, I believe that we have a creator. I believe that he created things perhaps other than this world and that perhaps they are, uh, intergalactic uh, searchers or wayfarers that are curious, as curious about us as we might be about them. Yeah, you know, it's interesting that so much of this documented video and this other evidence that we have is almost exclusively around military installations. And, and that's why we, we, you know, have some of the best equipment that has recorded this. The, the people that are reporting this have a lot to lose. You know, they're, they're not some late night talk show host who's just looking for something to fill up time. For them to come forward and report on this is, is risky um, because we don't put a lot of, you know, faith in these kind of reports. But when you think about it, it's logical that that's where we would have these encounters. Like you said, we have to at least try to approach this from the way we think. If we manage to travel far enough to another planet and we saw that there actually was life there, and obviously you can't get anywhere near Earth and not figure out that there's life here, that there's something going on on this planet. Um, and of course, you would be cautious and we, if we went to another planet, we would immediately look for things that looked like military installations. And that is where we would spend all of our time to see what are their defenses, um, you know, so that that's not unusual. 
you know, then I, I, you start to wonder, the first question would become, obviously, they've had to travel from someplace really far. We've explored a lot of the space around us. We haven't found any other civilizations yet. So they've traveled a lot farther than we are currently capable of traveling. So you immediately think they're way more advanced than we are, and they may be but then the fear is, well, if they're that advanced, why haven't they just taken over the, our whole world then? Because clearly their technology would exactly. be way better than ours. But there's another way to look at this. Right. Think about this. We've, we achieved landing on the moon in 1969. That was a long time ago. And we were able to land on the moon. But if we go back to the moon today with all the technology we have we are still severely limited with what we can do on the moon because we need these crazy life support systems to keep us alive on that planet. It, we would not be able to, if we show up on the moon one day and there's, you know, we find out there were actually things living there and we didn't know it, we wouldn't be able to fight them. Even if we were more advanced than they were, we wouldn't be able to take over the moon. If there are beings that can live there the way we live on Earth with no life support systems. So if these other beings, even though they're far more advanced than we are, if they can't survive on our planet without life support systems the way we need if we go to the moon, you can't really take over then, no matter how advanced, unless they could just, you know, they have some sort of technology that could just wipe all the humans off the face of the planet i mean they can't really come down here and fight any kind of a battle well you know kevin the thing i look at is that um and, and you made a comment earlier about the um uh, cameras the videos etc i mean i used the brownie kodak camera back in the 50s <laughs> and you'd have had a hell of a time trying to take a picture of a flying saucer Exactly. Uh, Any time other than at midday that was close by with the camera technology that I was aware of. And the same thing with video cameras. We now we're spoiled because we can, we can actually shoot a selfie in the dark with a telephone in our hand, <laughs> which is pretty amazing. But when you really look at it, I've, I was watching, there's a new, um, there's a new, a new documentary by, um, uh, the Gambles, uh, a couple that have, it's called Horizons, I believe. And it talks about a new technology that essentially is a box that now can generate power. And so, you know, who'd have thought, first of all, that, the, that a person could have a Zoom call with somebody in South Africa? Or and 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 then have five other people from five other parts of the world and sit and look at each other's have a business meeting or or send an email that within seconds goes from one end of the globe to another uh, thirty years ago and so we look at the technological advances that we've seen just in your and my lifetime and um, and so I think we're still just barely scratching the surface of. Um, of, of what's really out there. And of course, Tesla figured a lot of this out, you know, decades and decades ago and was way ahead of the curve. <laughs> and we're now just kind of implementing many of the things that he figured out. Um, 
you know, a, a century ago. Yeah, we, we need longer. to clarify there so when you say very interesting. When you say Tesla today, all you think about is Elon Musk, but we're talking about Nikola Tesla, the original Tesla. The the, the scientist, right? He and he and Einstein, and so you know where are the Einstein, and yet you know um, we're certainly seeing some interesting things with what we've experienced with uh, potential. Uh, diseases and warfare and everything else. And, and the military has, and that's the other thing. I'm sure that some of the sightings uh, through the years have been either our country or other countries, military uh, testing and maneuvers and um, some of their weaponry and um, those types of things that have been, you know, exploring around the earth in the midst of their testing. So, uh, I think it'd be very interesting to see what the military finally discloses to us. I, I'm not a big fan of, of people releasing data 75 years from now when it's relevant today. And I'm not, I'm not a big fan of, of, the, of redacting. What in the world is everything redacted for I in know. our politics? I know. When we're paying for it, we're the people, we, the people who is, who is making these decisions of information, disinformation, redacting, who needs to protect who? What's the purpose of all this other than to conceal from the public the truth? We need, you know, we're, we're, we should be able to deal with the truth. And the same thing goes with UFOs. You know, give us a, give us a measure of respect and share, share what in the world our military that we supposedly fund with our, our dollars or else are printed by the Federal Reserve, the, the make-believe dollars, uh, and, and let us uh, deal with the information that's here. I agree. I agree. All right. I just got a message that uh, I don't think Stanford's going to be joining us today. So okay. we, we will move on. Um, so I'm going to move on to my political topic, and then if you have anything, we can move on to that. And then uh, sure. If we have calls, uh, let me check. No calls yet. If you want to jump in. Hey, if anybody, I just checked the news and I know those hearings that I'm going to say UFO, but there's actually a new term for this now. So we might have to start getting used uh, to this. Some sort of airborne something or other, uh, unauthorized airborne phenomena or something something like that pretty darn close you are almost there it's uap area unidentified aerial phenomena there we go unidentified right i would say it's probably unauthorized because the uh, governments are are maybe jen saki hasn't authorized them to come to our planet without consulting with our yeah uh, sleepy person in charge Exactly. Jen, Jen has retired. She's now over at MSNBC where she belongs, I believe. Um, we're perfect, now, we now have Green Jean-Pierre. Yeah, I've, I've been out of the loop because I was in uh, Northern California for a wonderful conference uh, for the last few days. So, yes, I, in yeah. fact, I actually finally cut off my cable and now I'm just streaming so I can pick the handful of things that I choose to watch when I get a chance to. There you go. Well, if if you thought peppermint patty 
uh, a.k.a. Jen Psaki, was interesting to listen to. Wait until you hear Corrine Jean-Pierre. Uh, that's a whole new uh, level. I, yeah. Uh, find them very annoying, very annoying to say the least. And so, yeah. So here's well, my, great. so tell us your political thought. Here's right. my political topic. And it's a carryover from a couple comments I made last time we were together. And I said, I needed to go do some digging because I haven't verified a lot of these reports. Uh, there were reports I mentioned like 53 food plants around the world that have fires or vandalism or something has happened to them. So I I didn't try to verify all 53 around the world, but I have verified quite a few in the U.S. And here are some statistics. Uh, I'm not making any conclusion on this. It's just something very interesting to think about. When you look at what's already happening with our food supply, uh, and it's not good. None of the news on food supply is good right now. The baby formula thing is absolutely um, shocking, embarrassing. I, I can't imagine as a country with all the resources we have that we have parents actually in a panic um, about you know formula shortages. Now, my topic really isn't on formula shortages. It's about food, our food supply in general. But I want to start with this. I read two articles back to back this morning. And it was so interesting that I read them back to back. The first one was actually a woman who the whole theme of her article was that there really isn't a shortage of baby formula right now. She actually tried to claim this. Her take was she, she made statements like, well, you know, sometimes parents really want Infamil, but only Similac was available. There's, it's not really that we're out of baby formula. You, maybe you just can't get exactly what you wanted. Maybe you have to get liquid and you'd rather have powder. Well, that's total bullshit. This is not a matter of you can't get what you want. We've seen the shelves. We've seen the reports. There are parents who can't find anything. They've been to multiple stores and they're driving around on $5 a gallon gas trying to find food for their baby. That's disgusting that we even have to talk about this and then to have some bonehead like that try to play it down and make it sound like maybe parents are just being too picky. Uh, that, That infuriated me to read that article. The very next article was and this isn't a blog, this is a news report. It wasn't from some far-right news agency. It was mainstream media. Two babies somewhere in Illinois are in the hospital now, and neither their parents or the hospital could find any formula for them. Now, there's another thing that Mm. makes me insane. How can a hospital not figure out how to feed a baby? Just because you can't get commercial formula, you can't figure out how to feed this baby? Are we that ignorant about nutrition these days? But one story saying, oh, it's no big deal. They're blowing it out of proportion. The next story, we have babies who are in the hospital over this already. Uh Well, there's two things that I've heard. Two things that I've heard. One is that one of the major formula brands was recalled because of some contamination issue. But I think they said that was only 10% of the available market. The other thing that I heard, haven't verified, you know, I'm not a news reporter, but that the government had bought up 
enormous amounts of the formula to feed to the uh, the infants that were down at the border that were being held uh, or coming in illegally. Those are the two things I've heard regarding formula. Both of those are somewhat true. Um, the second one that's been verified, there's plenty of formula at the southern border. And you know what the, the administration's response was to that today and the media? Their response no. was they're only following the law. The law says if we house those illegal immigrants, we have to feed them. So we should not blame the administration for following the law. Oh, hell yes, I'm going to blame them. I don't care what the damn law is. We should not have American citizens scrambling to try to feed their babies while we have stockpiles on the southern border. Well, they wouldn't be housed on the border if we were following the laws that have been passed. They've uh, they've completely violated all the laws, and so to to use you know this is the problem with government. Government uses uh, some selective portion of the law while they're violating the absolute letter of multiple laws in order to uh, perpetuate their uh, agenda, which is to undermine the sovereignty of our states and of our constitution, and that's what's what's the the basis of our major problem is that uh, they're not following any law and then they make up whatever laws they want. And, and this president has used more executive orders than anyone else. And virtually, you know, many of them don't even have any semblance of adherence to the law that he's uh, declaring as essential um, executive order, which is, you know, borderline martial law. Yeah, so I agree. The other issue of the recall, that company that had the recall actually provides 43% of the U.S. infant formula. Now, all 40. Oh, really? Yeah, now all of their capacity wasn't shut down. One plant was. But here's the other thing they, they don't, you know, every time we say there was a recall, we should also follow it up with two babies died over this formula. Now, this is the FDA-approved formula made in an FDA-approved facility. The FDA is supposed to be in there making sure that it's safe, and two babies died. Imagine that. As a new parent, your baby dies, and you find out it was because of the formula you fed it. We should be talking more about why the recall even exists and how we allowed two babies to die from this formula. And now we have this massive shortage. So we need to talk more about that. But then think about how crazy this is. The FDA has approved that formula and they've inspected the factory and they screwed up so bad that two babies died. Everybody is now asking, I can't find formula. How can I make it at home? The FDA is doubling and tripling down on their answer. Here's their answer. Do not make baby formula at home because you don't know how to make it nutritious enough and we haven't approved the formulas. Well, I have two problems with that. The formula you did approve killed babies, so why should I trust you or why should I care whether you approve my homemade formula or not? 
I'm, I'm smart enough as a right. human being, I can figure out how to feed a baby if I have to. And the fact that we're so dependent on these commercial formulas is pretty sad. I'm not going to get into the whole breastfeeding issue because you, you can get really, you can get people really riled up. We should be breastfeeding a whole lot more than what we do. I'll just say that. I do know there are cases well, I'll say where, that, but Ke- where you can't. I get that. Right. But Kevin, 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 men can breastfeed if they can, if they can give birth, they should be able to breastfeed. So we shouldn't have any problem getting men to step in and breastfeed all of these children that they're supposedly able now to birth, according to our government. Yeah, exactly. That, 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 that path is just too crazy for me to even go down right now, but you're right. Um, Unbelievable. Unbelievable. But you know, for, for many years, you know, it's all about nutrition. And the fact is that many children are allergic to certain types of formula and they've, used goat's milk or other uh, substitutions for that. And so there are substitutions. Absolutely. But let me, let me, I, I have to, I, I just saw something today on, on the Steve Dace show on the blaze this morning for a minute. I turned it on before this call and there was an interview. There was a, a, a woman of African-American descent as the the reporter interviewing another one that was protesting uh, the potential abortion issue. And she asked this woman a a series of questions over and over and repeated them and said, and, and the answer every time was when she asked about the termination of life uh, in the womb is, and the woman said, it's a right, right to choose. And so, so, should that occur all the way up to the birth of the, of the child? And she says, it's a woman's right to choose. She said, should it occur up to one years old? And she said, that's a woman's right to choose. Uh, and she says, you mean the woman has the right to choose? She says, a woman has a right to choose. She says, and, and if it's a two-year-old, the woman still has right. A woman has a right to choose. This is how crazy our world has gotten. You, you, you just mentioned that, Two infants died in some aspect of, of, of a formula under the supervision of our government regulators that they somehow dropped uh, the ball. Well, in 2004, it was estimated that 500,000 adults died from Vioxx, an approved Pfizer anti-inflammatory. The lawsuit proved that it was 40 to 50,000. The estimates were four to 500,000 by an approved FDA drug. I, I've talked I, about Vioxx many yeah, times. I mean, yeah. It's, yeah, it's unbelievable. And I was given Vioxx by my doctor. Yes. And I took two of them. And then for whatever reason, I decided not to take any more. So, we are, and then let's, let's just go a little further. We, we just saw, you know, we've just seen thousands of people that were put on ventilators yes. that were denied early treatment of treatment of drugs that had won the Nobel prize and had been standard treatment of care throughout the world. 
and places in the world like India used the things that were prohibited in our country and they eradicated the deaths and the mortality from whatever the pandemic, bioweapon, whatever that occurred. And we have that just in our, we have that same kind of genocide in our own country under the regulator's watch. And that is the problem that we have in our country today is there's no accountability. And then we have the audacity of the companies providing the solution, the alleged solution to it, saying, oh, we can't release any of this data uh, regarding the testing for 75 years. <laughs> now, that that is, if that isn't, that should in that should have sent a, a spirit of rage among every citizen in this country seeking any kind of transparency and truth. Well, well let's, let's take that thought a little further because I've talked about this topic and studied it pretty in-depth. Their claim is there's so many pages of data to go through that they can only do so many a day and their calculation is that it's going to take 75 years. That's ridiculous on the surface, but it's about a hundred times more ridiculous when you understand they had to, somebody had to go through every single page of that to approve the vaccine in the first place. Exactly. Exactly. And what, what happened to computers and what happened to technology that can, can go artificial intelligence, can in a matter of minutes sort through a million documents. So don't give me this. We can't get it out fast enough. It's not like they're having to deliver each page by a personal uh, <laughs> courier to every member of Congress. That's the most, that's the most ridiculous argument. It's all about not wanting transparency, just like UFOs have been treated for 50 years just like drugs and their approvals have been for years and years. And the same thing with criminal activity that's redacted. We get these emails. I mean, I mean since when isn't the public entitled to see emails under the Freedom of Information Act between elected officials that are violating the law and they're redacting and protecting who? Who are they protecting? They, they should be. They should be using as the basis of prosecution, not protecting someone. You know, speaking of the whole redacted thing, um, I, I've actually seen documents that have been released where everything on the page was redacted. How ignorant is exactly. that? Well, who's in charge of that? Who who says we shouldn't know about it? Exactly. You know, it's, it's just it's ridiculous. No, it's ridiculous, and that's. That's why people out there wake up, wake up and stand up and be counted, demand accountability, demand transparency, demand of your county commissioners, your school boards, transparency. They are not your masters. No, it's the other way around. Public servants. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I couldn't agree more. So let's go back to the baby formula thing and figure out how easy this would be to solve. So I get pretty fired up about it. I was just in, I was just in Nevada County, which is uh, Nevada City and Grass Valley, uh, all the way down to Yuba City. 
great people. And there's a huge activism group down there that is trying to make a difference in a, in a state like California that is in serious jeopardy in so many ways. And, um, and it was just really remarkable to be around people who are, you know, actively protesting, they're running for office, they're, they're picketing, they're, they're exercising their uh, constitutional rights to demand more accountability. And it was very refreshing to see people who are doing that. It was, uh, it was a great few days to be a part of that. We need a lot more of that. And, and this topic right now, I think, is something a lot of people should stand up and demand some answers to, because the answer on this is really, really simple. I'm even going to play along with the FDA for a minute and, and just say that, all right, I'll, I'll admit, I'll, I'm going to play devil's advocate here and say, okay, the FDA's right. Um, Americans are too stupid to understand how to feed their own baby. They, they shouldn't go on, um, this is tongue in cheek, they shouldn't go online and find tons of good recipes that are out there for making baby formula. We've published many of them. I've looked at the nutritional content. It's, it's better than anything you can buy. So let's just start there. Not yeah. only is this not, right. not a bad substitute or a bad idea, it, if you learn how to make baby formula at home, goat's milk is your best base. It is far superior to what they sell. The garbage that most parents depend on. I'm sure. Yes, you can make your own at home that's better. But let's say, I'm going to play along with the FDA. Let's say that all the recipes out there, because the FDA hasn't approved them, that's their point. You might have a recipe, but the FDA hasn't approved it, so it can't be safe. I'm going to play along and go, go along with them. But then they never gave us an answer. There's no commercial formula available. You can't find it in some cases. You don't want me to make it at home. Well, in, in like a day, my baby's now in danger. So where's the answer? And here's how easy it would be. It should take the FDA about 10 minutes to tell us what their version of a good homemade baby formula would be. Don't tell me we exactly. can't make this exactly. at home with ingredients from any grocery store. Of course we can. So if, we ha if it has to be FDA approved, then why haven't you put out the official FDA home recipe by now? Right. It's all about control. It has nothing to do with the human condition. It's all about control. And that's too bad. I mean, that's like saying you can't uh, make your own meatloaf. Uh, exactly. FDA approved. I mean, that's ridiculous. I mean, it's ridiculous. So it that, is. That's where we've come in this country is that we have to be told and given permission to do everything. And we were given inalienable rights. Inalienable rights. That means no rights are supposed to be abridged by the Constitution, by the Bill of Rights. And we've got to get the tyranny of government regulation uh, and put it back in its place where it's meant to be and not be controlling every aspect. Because otherwise they should be banning three-fourths of the processed food that's carcinogenic that's in the grocery stores. Exactly. So Yeah. So now to my topic... That was just a big lead up to the topic. Um, I had mentioned about the, <laughs> the, the fires and, and things at food plants, but I had said I haven't been able to dig and verify that they're true. I have now. 
uh, at least a number of them. So here are some statistics. If we look at all of 2019, the whole year, there were two reported fires at U.S. food processing plants that I could find. Two in all of 2019. From January of 2021 to last month, April of 2022, just slightly over a year, there have been at least 20 that I could verify. At least 20. And here they are real quick. Um, A fire, this was at the very end of 2019. I'll throw this one in though. A fire destroyed part of the Tyson food plant in Holcomb, Kansas. If you want to record this and go verify these, you can. Uh, January 12th of 2021, a fire destroyed the Deli Star meat plant in Fayetteville, Illinois. Uh, In fighting the blaze, firefighters used most of the water in the town's water towers leading to a boil order for residents until the water could be replenished. January 21st, 2021, the Washington Potato Company plant was declared a total loss after fire started in the plant's dehydrator. July 25th, 2021, a three-alarm fire occurred at a Kellogg plant in Memphis, Tennessee, drawing 170 emergency personnel to the scene. August 24th, 2021, severe damage was reported following a fire at Patak Meat Processing Facility in Cobb County, Georgia, leading to a temporary closure. September 12th, 2021, a five-alarm fire broke out at JBS USA's beef processing plant in Grand Island, Nebraska. The plant slaughters about 5% of U.S. cattle. That's a big number for one plant. This year, processing capacity has already been squeezed by COVID disruptions and labor availability, and the industry can ill afford losing a big processing plant like this. November 29th, 2021, a fire broke out at Made Right Steak Company, a meat processing plant in Scott, Pennsylvania. December 12th, 2021, Westside Food Processing Plant was left with smoke damage estimated at over $100,000, due to a fire. Nobody was working at the plant at the time. January 2nd, 2022, a fire at Van Drunen Farms, uh, Hill freeze-drying plant in Mamans, Illinois, suffered extensive damage from a fire with a company official describing it as a total loss. January 14th, 2022, An explosion and fire occurred at the Cargill Neutrina feed mill in Louisiana, burning for 12 hours. February 3rd, 2022, fire swept through Wisconsin River Meats in in Mauston, Wisconsin, causing a near total loss. February 17th, 2022, a fire broke out at the Louis Dreyfus Company in Claypool, Indiana, Um, LDC is the largest soybean processing and biodiesel plant in the U.S. February 22nd, 2022, a boiler explosion triggered a fire at Shearer's Foods near Hermiston, Oregon. Company officials estimated it would take 15 to 18 months to restart production. March 13th, 2022, a Hot Pockets plant in Jonesboro, Arkansas was started was shut down after a fire started inside a production line cooler. March 16th, 2022, 
A massive fire at a Walmart fulfillment center in Plainville, Indiana, caused the closure of the facility. In April, the company announced it would not be reopening the facility, affecting the jobs of over 1,100 employees. Uh, March 28th, a fire at Maricopa Food Pantry in Maricopa, Arizona, leading to the destruction of more than 50,000 pounds of food. March 31st, Rio Fresh, an onion warehouse facility in South Texas, was damaged by a structure fire. April 11, 2022, a fire broke out at East Conway Beef and Pork in Conway, New Hampshire, destroying the building and killing cows. April 13th, a plane crashed into the Gem State Processing Facility in Hayburn, Idaho. The plant made dehydrated potato flakes, flowers, dices, slices, and shreds. April 13th, again, same day. A four-alarm fire occurred at Taylor Farms in Salinas, California, drawing nearly 100 firefighters from 22 fire units. Um, The facility, which makes bag salad and chopped fresh vegetables, was in the process of restarting after being closed for the winter. April 18th, this one I'm very familiar with. I've talked to the owner of this company. The headquarters of Azure Standard in Dufer, Oregon, was destroyed in a fire. Azure is the largest independent distributor of organic and health foods in the U.S. April 30th, this is the last date I could verify, a soybean processing plant caught fire at Purdue Farms in Chesapeake, Virginia. You can't tell me that that, that something unusual isn't going on here. Yeah. It seems to lean a little heavily on the protein side, uh, which is interesting, and um, and even the livestock. But it, it's it's all over the map, and um, that many um, that many types of uh, fires of all sorts is, is very obviously very statistically suspicious. And. You know, I've had people kind of push back and argue on this and try to explain, oh, well, they figured out that it happened in their freeze-dry unit or they had rolled oats stored. So what? All of those things always existed before. So you may be able to explain where every fire started, but give me an explanation how in a typical year we could have two or three and now all of a sudden we have in excess of 20. Yeah, no, it's 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 a trouble. It's certainly a very troubling and suspicious trend. It is, um, especially with other things and shortages going on. I mean, I I was uh, <laughs> I was commenting the other day. I thought, how in our area uh, we have a shortage of distilled water for heaven's sakes in um, uh, the major grocery stores that I frequent, and the price has doubled. It's doubled. Um, of course, everyone knows and has noticed the shrinking of all the packaged foods that's going on and all the shrinking of the, the drinks and everything else. Um, we're, we're dealing with probably 30% food inflation just by shrinking containers, right. um, let alone, you know, so this, this business about our inflation's eight or 12% or whatever nonsense because they they excluded gas from that and you certainly know what that what that gas situation means to the diesel uh, i mean i i was i saw approaching eight dollar diesel in california and um 
and was searching for under $5 gasoline um, in my travels, driving back and forth. And uh, it's, um, I, I, you know, I happen to be fortunate enough that um, I can afford those types of things. I, I can't even fathom what is uh, happening with uh, middle or fixed in income America uh, dealing with this. Um, and, and, and the government wants to put in more controls, which cause more inflationary pressure. So it's, a, it's troubling, troubling times. And uh, that's why people need to take care of their health. Um, you know, my, obviously I'm not uh, giving medical advice to anybody anywhere, but, you know, um, it's a time for resourcefulness. And people should go online, and if there's a shortage of something, figure out the alternative. Figure out uh, how you can be self-sustaining, because um, a lot of a lot of people have survived throughout the world without uh, the stamp of approval from government regulators on everything we do. And uh, the reality is, I haven't felt that um, the government has been the best stewards of our health and well-being, the track record is not very impressive. It, it's not. Let me give you another example of this. You talked about being resourceful and what we could do, and you mentioned earlier it seems like a lot of the fires were heavy on the protein side, which is the food that would keep us alive the longest. I will give nutritional advice. Um, human beings survive far better on, on meat and animal products than any other food. It's life-sustaining. It's healthy. It's nutritious. Um and I think there has been a big focus. They want to move us to all the fake meat, which is a, just an absolute health disaster waiting to occur. We'll be talking about this in five or 10 years. All of the damage, all of this fake meat is done to people's health. So on the other hand, I try to teach people how to be more self-reliant around food. It's a big topic on our health show. And one simple skill that I can teach somebody in 15 minutes how to do doesn't require a lot of equipment. It's not really that expensive at all. And in the long run, it can save you a ton of money and increase your food security is the canning meat. And the first time I heard this, it sounded insane to me. What do you mean you're going to can meat? You know, we know people can produce out of their gardens not as much as they used to, but, uh, you know, people do that. But right. this whole canning meat thing, I right. thought, well, that sounds bizarre until you go and look. And sure enough, we've been canning meat for a long time. It's not that big of a deal. Now, sure. here's the interesting thing. Um, we moved our groups off Facebook for a reason. We created our own sites because when you give nutritional advice these days, you can be heavily censored and deleted. They, they don't like you, you know, telling people how to be healthier. But it, it went worse than that. Right. I belong to several groups that are all about self-reliance, self-sufficiency. Those groups started to get heavily censored on Facebook. They were claiming that talking about canning and being self-reliant is just too dangerous um, so even that kind of talk was being deleted. I just spent, I say I, Lisa and I, um, my wife and I in the last week, a little less than a week, 
we have canned, and I've been doing this for years. I just restocked a bunch of stuff because of how bad our food supply is getting and how expensive it is. So the more food you buy today, the more money you're probably going to save because next week that food's going to be more expensive. That's the trend. A month from now, it's going to be even more expensive. A year from now could be really bad. So one of the things you can do as an investment when we're in high inflationary times is pre-buy consumables. Buy in bulk, and then you have to figure out how to preserve it. Well, canning is the way. Once you can meat, it doesn't need refrigeration. It lasts for years and years and years. So buy it now before the price goes up and can it. And just in the last week, we have canned... um, 17 pounds of ground beef, 24 pounds of smoked pulled pork, and 40 pounds of turkey. So what is that? Good for you. 56, that, that's like 70 to 80 pounds of meat canned and preserved and doesn't need refrigeration. And it wasn't that difficult, and it didn't really cost me money. It's going to save me a ton of money. And we need to help people do a lot more of that. Well, Kevin, you've hit a, you've hit a sweet spot with me, brother. Um, a year ago, we bought a, a home-based commercial freeze dryer. And we have processed over a thousand pounds of Excellent. meat and pork and chicken and brisket and freeze drying retains 97% of the nutritional value and it stores for uh, 25 years or longer. And it ends up being a 20 to one investment when you buy pork or chicken or turkey on sale to the commercial freeze dried price. So if you're paying, um, you end up paying for like $60, $70 for about a pound of freeze-dried food that you can reconstitute. Uh, you can do it yourself with a freeze-dryer. Now, it costs three to $6,000, but I'm telling you, it has been life-altering for us in preparing food. So I, along with the fact that investments, people are saying today, I mean, I listen to people every day, should I buy gold? Should I buy silver? Should I invest in cryptocurrency? Should I do this? Should I do that? I would think it makes sense to get canning equipment, freeze-dried equipment, and buy your, your, your meat or your, your vegetables or your garden produce that you produce or go to your neighbor who's growing uh, 400 pounds of zucchini and doesn't know what to do with it all <laughs> and, and either process it process it or freeze dry it so that you can utilize it effectively. Absolutely. I'm going to make a wild guess and say that you probably have a harvest right freeze dryer. That's a wild guess and it's absolutely right. And uh, I'm telling you, it has been a joy. I have, we're not, um, you know, I, I grew up, my mother did some canning. My wife's done some canning. Uh, freeze drying is a piece of cake compared to canning. It really is. Oh, it's been great. It, it really it is. is. There's no doubt. I, I've played around with the freeze drying. Um, I, 
I just don't like the texture of it reconstituted. Now I love it as emergency I food. I understand. Yeah. As well, I'll tell you this, but this is one of the secrets. One of the, the important thing is you, well, for example, but see, uh, <laughs> if you take your, you know, I, I do everything like I do barbecue pork. So the barbecue pork reconstitutes beautifully into a pulled pork sandwich or a pulled nice. pork salad yeah. or whatever. I, I don't, you know, doing a slab, a slab of ham or a slab of steak or whatever. I do everything in ground beef types of textures. And so I can put it into sauces. I can put it into casseroles. I can put it into those other things. And, and seriously, with the way we've been doing it, you can't tell the difference. It I, tastes like you just fixed it. And we tested even on, on our, our dinner guests and they're shocked at how great it tastes. And there's certain things that are easier than others, but pork is one of the great bargains. And you know, as well as I do, um, shredded pork, pulled pork, uh, barbecue pork, uh, with various sauces is very versatile in a tortilla, a, a salad, or in a sandwich. Um, very effectively done. And hamburger, of course, is the great universal meat that you can make all kinds of different dishes and creativity uh, with. So I'm a cook. I love cooking, but I really love the fact that my wife has embraced the freeze dryer. When I go to the store and I see pork butt for 99 cents or 129, my eyes light up and I buy four of them. I bought I bought brisket last summer for two ninety nine a pound on sale and got three rain checks and processed probably 250 pounds of brisket, and the briskets turned out awesome. Turned so out incredible. I, I have a proposal for you then, because, you know, it's similar when you can. There are certain meats you're not going to can. You're, you're not going to can a steak. It just doesn't no. work. You do tend to stick with right. ground meat and fattier cuts that you slow cook and they fall apart. And so there are some similarities there. Exactly. So I, I think I, yeah. I've got a proposal. Um, I will teach you okay. how to can because that's another great skill to have. If you'll teach me some really great. good recipes for freeze drying. That'll be, that'll be awesome because actually what I do is I use the Instapot to cook everything. Cause we cook, we cook it all first. Right. And then we turn around and then we drain all of the liquid out and then we freeze it in our freezer to save some of the processing time and then we put it in the freeze dryer and it's been unbelievable. But one of our very favorites is, uh, Oregon fruits, <laughs> the, uh, wild blueberries and the, uh, tri berries from Costco or Sam's or whatever. You can get those for about eight ninety nine for three pounds, nine ninety nine for three pounds. And boy, those babies, the, the mangoes, the pineapple, the strawberries, they make wonderful smoothies, wonderful desserts, and uh, the fruits are really convenient. And so we've 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 really focused heavily on the fruits, uh, green vegetables, uh, seasoning vegetables, and then primarily pork, hamburger, and uh, brisket because those so, those things 
are pretty versatile in multiple recipes. So if pulled shredded meat works well, and it sounds like it does in freeze drying, like I said, it's the same way in canning. Let me give you another one that has become our absolute favorite. We just did 40 pounds of turkey. Pulled turkey is really, really good. Great. That's great. So you, you, you cook it and then uh, shred it. Yeah. So I basically what I do, I, I just did a, I found one twenty six pound Turkey, which was awesome. And then the next biggest one I could find was 18 pounds. Um, so we, we roast it just like a traditional Turkey. So I always brine my turkeys overnight. Uh, so we brine them. Oh yeah. There you go. We roast them and then you just, tear the whole carcass apart and get all the meat, mix it all together, all the dark, all the white. You don't really have to pull it and shred it at that point. Um, You basically Uh just kind of chop it up into pretty big chunks and then pack it down into the jars. And during the cooking process, it will actually, when it's done, it comes out as like pulled pulled turkey. I'll bet. I'll bet. Now, do you put... You put some uh, chicken broth in with it before we, you process it in the canning. Yep. When we one of the ways we finish all of our meat, whether it's pork, beef, turkey, duck, whatever it might be, I top everything off with chicken bone broth, real long yep. cooked bone broth, which has all kinds of health benefits. We top every jar off with the That's bone great. broth. You get this beautiful, moist texture on the meat, and you get all the health benefits of the bone broth. I think that sounds marvelous. That sounds great. Where where are you finding success in getting the quart jars? They seem to be harder to get these days. You know, it it, it goes in phases and areas. Um, We don't can meat very often in quart jars. It's actually way too much meat. When you open up an entire court for two people, it's, it's almost too much. Oh, okay. okay. So we tend to do all sure. of our meat in wide mouth pint jars. And Lisa just found, since, oh. we, since we were doing oh, so much, good. we needed some more jars. I have a pretty good collection. But she just ordered eight cases from a tiny little um, hardware store here near us. And we picked up eight cases, so um, loaded with pint jars now. Now, what we do use quart, quart jars, because the other thing that you can can is you can can chilies, stews, soups, anything like that, total recipes, things like that I tend to do in sure. quart jars. Because, you know, if you want chili, a quart of chili is a bigger. Nice, yeah, it's a bigger, yeah. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's a pretty nice meal for two sure. people with, right. with some leftovers. So, but... There was well, a time where it was yeah. harder to get jars. It seems like that's that's eased up a little bit. Oh, good. That was last time. I mean, a couple of years ago, it was like uh, panning for gold. I it, mean, was, it was very yeah. difficult to find. So, so that's uh, that's great. No, that's a good idea, and I like the idea of the. I mean, it's sort of like you've got your bottled meals for two, which is great for the empty nesters. I think absolutely. The problem is when you're going to need that, Kevin. You're going to have a lot of company. You're going to have all your hungry neighbors that didn't do their canning. It, you and they're know, going to be coming over to the Rutherford's house. Yeah, it, so. as, as sad as it sounds, and that's all been thought through. Uh, you know, I share these ideas with everybody. 
I share it with my neighbors. I talk sure. about it all the time. I encourage people. I tell them, I will teach you anything you want to know. Stop over. I'll show you how I garden, show you how I recover seeds. I'll teach you how to can. Actually, we're, we create videos when we do these canning and we put the videos up to teach other people. Um, my point is, I Good will teach you. you how to do it yourself. When the shit hits the fan, don't show up at yep. my house because the other thing I have a lot of are guns and bullets. Wow. Well, that's great. Well, I know that um, uh, that's a great art, and I think that we're going to take take that to heart. So we're, I'm going to go look for some, some pine jars and tell Janet to get out the uh, big old canning uh, uh, thing to start doing and then order some lids and and do some of that. I think that sounds great. I, it looks like our time's almost gone, Kevin, today. Um, I've got another conference call I've got to get on to in a minute, but I'd just like to, uh, the, the one little subject that I thought was interesting that, uh, because it kind of reminds me of, of, of the drivers on the road. So this is applicable to our, um, our driving friends, both truckers and um, automobile drivers. But if, if you have not seen the aerial view of Rich Strike winning the Kentucky Derby, it's one of the great, it's one of the great sporting events I have ever seen in my life. And watching that long shot horse, last minute entry, snaking through the field from the back to the front, would make uh, even a Porsche driver envious uh, working through the Autobahn in the heavy traffic. I will have to go watch that. That sounds interesting. Oh, I'm, tell- I'm telling you, if you seriously, you need to uh, go on- online and look for the aerial view of Rich Strike winning the Kentucky Derby two weeks ago. It was unbelievable and arguably the greatest I, I i think the jockey did the greatest job of maneuvering through 20 horses to win that race going away was remarkable and i guess the point is you may be a late entry you may be uh having the worst starting spot in the field you may be uh 30 you were, he was reclaimed for $30,000 and to win the crown jewel of, of horse racing as a long shot, as a last second entry and maneuvered through 20 horses, all picked higher to win than he was to win was really a remarkable sporting and, uh, and, and gives hope and pause to all of us who, uh, may feel at times that we're disadvantaged and that we need to, um, you know, fight against the odds to be successful. It was a great, it's a great thing. You'll, you'll really enjoy it. What a, what a great story and a great lesson and a great way to wrap this up today. Um, I do have a couple calls. I'm going to take them, but John, I'm going to let you go and, and get on to your day and uh, your conference call coming up. Thank great, you. Great conversation today. I loved it. Great to and, be with uh, you. We'll do it again next Thanks, week. Thanks, Kevin. All right. Enjoyed it. All right. See you later. Take All care. Right. All right. I'm going to take a couple calls. Uh, we're going to head off to Kansas. Ernie, welcome to the program. Yeah. Uh, I was listening 
that is really interesting. I did a bunch of canning the other day. Um, I found that if you got like old meat, like you're starting to get freezer burn because it's been in the freezer, that it works really good to can it. That's a good point. That is a good point. And I usually do that as well rather than go out and buy, you know, meat just to can. I said the other day, I actually canned a bunch of stuff that had been in my freezer. And now that that's all canned and I can move it to the pantry, now I can restock the freezer again. Yeah, I, we we got a bunch that really old stuff, you know, because we get the new stuff and we start eating it because it's better. <laughs> right. I canned some that was like, three years old in the freezer, you know, you could probably, it, it would have tasted really funny if you ate it, but it, it, was, it was, you can't even tell the difference. Excellent. It's just throwing it out, you can can it, but, um, anyway, I was calling to try to figure out what we're going to do with this country, because like you guys were saying earlier, I mean, the government, they don't follow the laws or they only follow the laws they want to, or they make them up. And, I mean, some people do this one thing, and they don't get in any trouble. Other people do it, and they get a book thrown at them. I, I don't know what we're going to do about it. I, that's, I wish anyway, I had I, better answers. You know, I, I have a lot of data. I've done a lot of research. We can talk about this stuff over and over and over. And the one thing that frustrates me, and it's frustrating a lot of people in this country right now, is what do we do about it? it, it all of the answers seem really, really drastic. The one thing I have said, and we just talked about it, the one thing we can do um, that is in your control, is do everything you can not to be dependent on the government in any way. Don't be a parent who is sitting back saying, I have to wait till somebody solves this baby formula shortage problem. Don't do that. Go solve the damn problem yourself if you can. There's a lot of stuff we can't control. Yeah. I can't stop the Biden administration from outright breaking the law on TV every day. They, they've been doing it almost every day. They're encouraging people to go protest at the homes of Supreme Court justices. That's illegal. We have a clear law that says you can't do that. And yet our administration tells people to go do it on TV. And, and what do we do? How do we stop that other than elect their asses out in November and hope we get a somewhat better batch? Uh, I'm not totally optimistic because both parties have their issues but right now i can clearly say the left has gone off the deep end the democrat party has made a mess of this country and they're doing nothing to fix it so at the very least whether you like the republicans or not anything has to be better than what we have right now so that's step number one we can vote yeah and we should be able to make a fairly significant change if we vote. But the other thing we can absolutely do, it won't stop all of these problems, but it'll at least protect you. Get as prepared as you possibly can so that the government doesn't have that kind of control over you. Yeah, I, I'm prepared. I I mean, I've, I heard what you're saying. And like, I was like a couple months ago, I went down to Sam's and all these and I, you know, I've got, I've probably got a couple years worth of 
food. Excellent. Bought up, and then we just got another steer. And I, like I said, I'm canning the old stuff that a lot of times I would have given to the dog because it's just so freezer burned. But um, and I I don't know. This Democrats act like they don't even have to worry about. Like there's not even an election coming, which kind of makes me wonder why. I agree with you on that one. I I don't understand, and it it worries me. They're not that dumb. And that's one mistake we should not make. We should not assume that because they have crazy, whacked out ideas that somehow they're dumb. I, honestly, these are intelligent people. And if, they, if, if they're that intelligent and yet they're not worried about the midterms, which they don't seem to be, you have to wonder what is their plan? What do they know that we don't know? Yeah, yeah that's... I've- I'm wondering about that. It, well, I mean, part of their plan is they're replacing us with the people they're bringing over the border, but that ain't going to be enough to get it done for the next election. The one after that, maybe, but eh, I don't know. I've the only I don't know. Then they're you know they're going to pay for the college education and stuff. And, and I've been telling people, and I I swear God, it's true. If, if they pay off people's student loans, I'm not paying taxes ever again. I, I think eventually we're just going to have to have a tax revolt, you know. It's like they got a credit card they don't have to pay the bill for, and they just print money, and and, and we just got to quit giving them money. And, <laughs> and, and I know people are going to go to jail, and they got guns, and they will probably come and kill me, but at some point, you got to say, well, that's it, teenager. You're cut off. That's it. We're done. Yeah, the, the whole topic about paying off student loans, I can't even talk about it some days because it will make me absolutely insane. That may be one of the single yeah, biggest think- political topics for me that just makes me crazy. I didn't even graduate high school. And why should I have to pay off a bunch of rich people's college? You shouldn't. No, you shouldn't. I mean, I'm not going to. I'm not going to. Like, I don't pay that many taxes. I do trucking, you know, which pays a lot better. We do custom harvesting and cut wheat, evil wheat. But anyway, but I I only paid like two thousand six hundred this year. But I swear, God, next year if they do that, instead of sending them a check, I'm sending them a note. That's it. Come kill me. It, uh, it, it, it seems like every answer we have is that extreme. But I think at some point, that's what's going to have to happen. It, it's going to take some extremes because everything they're pushing on us is so extreme. And, and so far, we just kind of keep talking about it, but we haven't really pushed back yet. But I, I don't think it's that far off. There are so many problems. They're all yeah. coming to a head. They have no solutions whatsoever. It, their favorite saying is, we're doing everything in our power to fix that, except they can't list one thing they're doing to fix anything. Now, you said the well, people coming not- across the border, 
may not be enough for this election. And, and I, I kind of agree with you, but I, I'm not sure if people understand the kind of numbers we're talking about. Are you aware of how many illegals have, have crossed the border in just the last two months? Uh, I think probably about half a million. Yeah, and I know, yep. it, I think a while back, it was like two million had come in since the beginning of, a, you know, or the beginning of, uh, Biden. Yes. Two million. Men, two million. In the last two months, you're right. It's almost 500,000. But let's not forget, those are the ones we caught and they turned themselves in. We have no idea how many people got oh, across yeah. the border that we don't even know about. And the number has to be bigger than ever because we don't have anybody protecting the border anymore. The border's wide open. All of our border agents are in the processing centers doing paperwork all day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, I never, well, I mean, I've thought of that, but I didn't think of it just this moment. But, yeah, and in, in terrorists, how, I mean, how many terrorists? I mean, I, mean I, I don't know. At some point, all these terrorists have, you know they've been coming across there. There's probably a hundred thousand of them at least that's come across there. At some point, they're going to start doing doing stuff. And yes, it's probably going to be bad when they do. Yes, they are. I, I, we know that we've caught forty three that are on the terror watch list. More than that by now. We know we've caught at least that many. And here's the thing. Yeah, a lot of the illegal immigrants are just walking across in broad daylight because they want to get caught because they know we won't send them back. We're going to give them a cell phone and a bus ticket or a plane ticket and some money and food. And we're going to send them off to live in our country illegally. So they just cross in the middle of the day and, and hope to get caught. The terrorists are not doing that. The terrorists are now crossing the border much easier than they ever have because we don't have any border agents working anymore. Yeah, it was, yeah, they're all busy. So, and, and I mean, that's the same way with all the drugs and stuff. I mean, they, 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 them big groups, they come through for a reason. They come through right there, and they got, and then while they're messing with the 200 that just walked across the border yeah, and wanting their free shit, yep. uh, there, there's drugs and terrorists coming in about 50 miles down the road that, Ain't nobody can do anything about, you nope. know. They just stroll across the I don't border. Know. I know. All I know is, I don't know. I've, I've got plenty of cash. I've got, well, my dad's got gold. And, and I've got lead and brass. <laughs> yeah. No. And, and, and I've, I've been just buying guns. I don't know. Every time I think about it, I'm like, you know what, maybe I better get another gun. Yeah, those are... Hell, I probably won't get one clip empty before they kill me, but yeah, at least I'll have it. Yeah, that, that that's the other thing, but uh, you're right. The, the, the best precious metals these days are lead and brass. Uh, as far as gold and silver, honestly, I, I understand that people... Oh have that because you know during a recession or a depression or you know a total collapse they think gold would be better or silver i really believe that until you have stockpiled all the things you will need if the shit really hits the fan what good is gold and silver i would be stockpiling all that stuff first well, 
Well, see, my my dad, and literally since I was 14, he has been telling me that the world's going to end, you know, that the, you know, it's going to collapse. And so he bought all that gold. I think I don't think he bought one ounce of it they paid more than $250 for. So... Yeah, and it may be a, 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 a good investment, and I understand the logic if we have, you know, an emergency, a collapse of some kind, the dollar could be worthless, we can't get to our credit cards or our banks, having physical gold, I understand why people think that would be good, and it's not that it's bad, but what uh, let's just be realistic what good does this physical gold do me the only thing i could do with it is go barter with it for something else i need like food or medicine or guns or bullets or whatever well if that's the case why don't i just stock up on those things instead yeah and i i don't buy any gold but that's what my dad thought so that he's got like I don't know, 300 ounces or whatever yeah, buried in the backyard, but um, uh, yeah, it, that, that'll be good if, if the world ever straightens out then you could you know, start over you know, but that's, that's once the whole everything's done hitting the fan you know, and it, well I know and normal. You know, three or four years ago, when you talked about that kind of a situation, it sounded really crazy. I get that. But we can also look historically, and and every civilization eventually collapses. Every one of them. So it, it's not like we're predicting something that hasn't happened many times before. And what I'm curious about is, yeah, our, our, you know, we're kind of going to hell. But it, it's a lot of the world. I, mean, I, I don't know. Maybe it's because we're all kind of tied together. Cause yeah, yeah, I think I that's the know. difference. May, uh, China and Russia may be the only ones that actually, you know, if the whole economy of the whole dang world went to hell, they might be the only one. They may have the right idea then. Well, they probably may not be. You know, I, I do worry about China, but. Russia seems like they're kind of a mess. You know, I don't think Russia is the powerhouse we thought they were. They're struggling with the country like Ukraine. Um, They have horrible morale. Their economy's just about been decimated from this. If there's any, you know, beacon of hope that's come out of the Russia-Ukraine war, it's the fact that Russia isn't nearly as scary as we thought they were. On the other hand... Um, I do worry a lot more about China. Ernie, I'm going to cut you loose. Be safe, be profitable, be fit and healthy. Always do the hard work and master the journey. I'm Kevin Rutherford.